After the sermon, we will sing in response hymn 48, the stanzas 2 and 3. The theme for the sermon is, since we are in union with Christ, we are to put on the clothes he gives us to wear. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, how would you characterize your life as a child of God? What should be your focus, your perspective? Where do you find the resources to live as a human being? Are they found in your own ability to get connected to your inner self? Paul's letter to the Colossians begins by telling us that the ability to live as God's people doesn't come from within our own being, but it comes from above. In this letter, he speaks extensively about our new identity in Christ and how this affects everything. What marks us as Christians is that we are not our own but we belong to our faithful Savior who has died for our sins. And not only did he die for our sins, he was raised from the dead for our justification. When Christ came forth from the grave, we were raised with him to the newness of life. And so it is that Paul can speak about Christ is our life. Do you see how your whole being is hidden with Christ in God? We are wrapped into his embrace so that when the Father sees us, he sees his Son. And since Christ is our life, does it surprise you then that the Apostle encourages you to seek the things that are above where Christ is? Why set your hearts and minds on anything else but on him who saved you, redeemed you, changed your status before God, prays with you and for you, and is preparing a place for you? Now, all of this can still sound a bit abstract to us. What does that now look like in our everyday life? Obviously, to set our hearts and our minds on the things that are above where Christ is does not have us living with our heads in the clouds as spiritual dreamers. The first thing it means is this. We will have a changed attitude toward the exhortations of Scripture. For the more we come to understand our new identity as those who are united to Christ our response to the exhortations of Scripture will be different. We will not balk at what we are told or resist or follow the stipulations of Scripture with legalistic rigor. Instead, our response to the exhortation of Scripture will be, of course, there can be no other way to live the Christian life for those who seek the things that are above. 
And so it is here as well. Since, since we no longer have the old identity we once had, it would be inconsistent to live the old way we once did. And this is why we are to put to death whatever is part of the old way of life. And furthermore, since we have received a new identity in Christ, we are eager to clothe ourselves with what is consistent with the persons we really are. When we set our minds and hearts on the things above, the focus of life becomes modeling and reflecting Christ. More and more we are in his image. We demonstrate what it looks like to be clothed with Jesus. We follow his fashion and design. Now we realize, of course, that Paul isn't talking about the clothing we wear on our bodies when he talks about the things that we are to put on. But he's talking about the clothing of the inner person of Christian character. And he uses the analogy of clothing to lock this in the hearts and minds of his readers. Clothes are an important part of our everyday life. They express our character. And they say something about what's inside us. Clothes can portray Respect for others, rebellion, neatness, nonchalance, and consideration. Clothes can reflect our moves. Well, you and I are privileged to put on and wear what Christ has purchased for us. And that should have a huge impact on everything. Our attitude, behavior, disposition, opinions, and moods. Now we have to understand, of course, that Jesus is nothing like us. He is clothed with glory and majesty and dominion and power. He is sinless, whereas our lives are tainted with sin and transgression. He is faithful, true, and loyal. But who are we? Modeling Christ means taking our stand against sin and all its destructive forces. We shed all those things that do not reflect what we have in Christ. Sexual immorality, impurity, self-gratification, greed. Those things put dirt on our garments. And so do anger, rage, malice, and slander. And we shouldn't allow that to happen because our clothes are expensive. They were paid for by the blood of Christ. So anything that does not enrich our relationship and does not fit with our identity with Christ needs to be removed, discarded, and replaced. Because such clothes make us look ugly and unattractive. Being in Christ, we actively put off the characteristics of the old life. And Paul sees them as three layers of clothing. The undergarments, 
the everyday clothes, and outer clothing. The first layer concerns dimensions of the old lifestyle which belong to the secret and private life of the mind, the undergarments. The sinful patterns closest to our skin must come off. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And we shed these clothes because the old lifestyle distorts what God made beautiful so that we demand, lust, idolize, sexualize, giving what pleases us and gratifies our desires a place in our hearts and minds that God never intended. When we model Christ and truly set our hearts and minds on him, there is no question as to what should happen to the filthy clothes of the old lifestyle. They are to be removed. When we are serious about doing so, then we become more specific in our repentance and confession of sin as well. For example, we realize it is not enough to say, Oh Lord, help me overcome sin. Instead, we pray, Oh Father, help me to overcome sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. But there is more to be removed. We are to rid ourselves of anger, wrath, and which includes exasperation and irritation and impatience. We are to remove malice and slander and obscene talk. We are to remove the attitudes and speech which destroy the character and reputation of another. Impure vocabulary and vulgar language is never to be condoned as a way of being real. Because it isn't consistent with our identity and life in Christ. Only when we make progress in mastering our tongues will we start growing in maturity. And the third layer of clothing to be removed involves our fellowship with one another. Our relationships are to be marked by honesty. Do not lie to one another, Paul says. And if our relationships are marked by honesty, we will grow together into the transformed community the church is called to be. We are now a new family in Christ. Let's remember who we are. Think about those who are part of the same Christian fellowship to which we belong. The same Lord Jesus in whom my life is hidden, indwells all my brothers and sisters that profess Christ. And when I become convinced of this, I will shed all talk that will have a negative impact on others. But Paul does not end the discussion by telling the Colossians what clothes they need to remove. He goes on to talk about what they need to put on And as he does, he addresses his readers with the most stunning and vibrant words. 
words that should cause our jaws to drop in amazement. Before he tells his readers what to wear, he calls them chosen, holy, and dearly loved. He writes in chapter 3, verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And do you get what the apostle is doing here? He's taking three terms that were used in the Old Testament to describe Israel as the people of God and now applies them to the New Testament church, to a local gathering of believers. The gospel has transformed and radically reformed his thinking in every dimension so that he recognizes the church as the continuation of what God was was doing in Israel in the Old Testament. God has moved things one step further in his redemptive plan by gathering to himself, not only from Jews, but also from Greeks. He's gathering barbarians and Scythians and slave and free all into a people of his own. So the incentive for wearing the clothes that suit the life of one who is in Christ is that we are chosen of God, holy and beloved. And that's immensely comforting, isn't it? All of us together have been chosen in Christ to be in a special relationship with God. You are God's chosen ones. So that means you are not mere mannequins set up to display clothes. You are loved of God. The Lord has placed us in the mainstream of society not to be identical, but distinct. So why would you want to put on the old clothes of your old lifestyle when your union with Christ allows you to display to others what it looks like to be in Christ, chosen of God, holy and beloved. You entered life dearly loved by the creator of the universe. He's for you and not against you. God shows his love for you and that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you so that he might supply you with garments white and pure. You need to savor this all the days of your life from your youth to your old age. For this is what gives true joy and hope. This is the heartbeat of your life as people of God in your interactions together as well. And if you're not convinced of the truth that you and those sitting with you here in this building are chosen and dearly loved of God, If you're not convinced of that, you may put on the clothes that come with belonging, with being in Christ. But you will do so half-heartedly or even begrudgingly. So how does a chosen, holy, dearly loved Christian dress? What do you wear? Is that your choice? No, it is not. 
Jesus lays out the clothes we need to wear. And he says, here, wear these. Put these on. But look at what he gives us to wear. Beautiful designer clothes of the highest quality. They label you as dearly loved of God. And it's a good thing that the Lord Jesus tells us with what we need to clothe ourselves. Because we don't have much dress sense. We'd think that because we are chosen and loved of God, we should wear clothes that show how we are entitled, proud, above, a notch above others. But what we are given to wear exemplifies the character of God and the life and ministry of Christ. The Apostle Paul says we are to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then he continues by telling us to bear with each other, to forgive whatever grievances we have against one another, to forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues to put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Brothers and sisters, these are your clothes. It's clear from what Paul writes that being chosen and loved by God affects our hearts and our outward disposition. Clothe yourself with compassion in your inmost being. And the outward manifestation of that compassion will be kindness. If your life is rooted and built in Christ, you will have a compassionate heart. Compassion is an emotional sympathy for others that grips and touches you deep in your heart. Well, let's pray that this kind of compassion is characteristic of of our life as church so that what people find expressed among us is the love of the father towards his prodigal son of Luke 15. That father saw his wayward son coming up the road and because his heart was filled with compassion, he ran and embraced him. And is this not how it ought to be in the Christian church? When individuals come to repentance, they should be met with compassion. Because this is part of the clothes we wear. And furthermore, those who put on the clothing Christ has laid out for them will treat each other with kindness. Kindness is a relational word. You can only show kindness to someone. Those who are kind have a tremendous sense of caring, an eagerness to help others, like a nurse taking care of her patients. It is a spirit-imparted goodness of heart. It is listed by Paul in Galatians 5 as a fruit of the Spirit. Well, clothing yourself with kindness means you will think about others and not be 
be all focused on yourself or your problems. A heart of compassion manifests itself in deeds of kindness as you comfort the sorrowing, visit the sick or the aged, befriend the lonely, lend a helping hand to the troubled. But there is more to wear. We are to dress ourselves with humility and gentleness too. And once again, the inner determines the outer. The humble attitude of the heart results in gentleness, meekness, that puts the interests of others above our own. Gentleness, or as it's translated here, meekness, means that we are quietly sensitive and do not push ourselves to the foreground. Careful to think before we speak. And isn't the Lord Jesus who we are to mirror and reflect clothed with such humility and gentleness? It was not below his dignity to wash his disciples' feet or to take on our human nature. Humility is the willingness to serve others and to perform what others think is beneath them. And note well, humility is not the same as servitude or just catering to the demands of others. Humility is the response of individuals who have come to grips with themselves. We will find it very difficult to be humble as long as we have not come to grips with our identity in Christ and what our status is within the family of believers. Those who put on humility are not full of themselves, of their knowledge, their abilities, their achievements, or all the things that their kids are doing. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, words that we need to have written on our hearts and on the walls of our homes. He writes... What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And very interestingly, he says this after he has reminded the Corinthians that whatever instruction he gives them, he has applied to himself. It is ludicrous and hubris If I should stand up here pontificating and coming with great pronouncements from the pulpit without ever applying these things to my own life. You should never be left thinking, well, ministers, well, they're really a notch above the congregation in all things spiritual. And brothers and sisters, let that be the manner in which we approach the study of Scripture when we when we do so together as members of the congregation. Let each of us come. And when we come, let us approach Scripture with humility and eagerness to learn. We're not there to show off our knowledge. And nothing of what we say will benefit others if it is not clear that we apply them to our own hearts. And when we are clothed with such humility, 
it will always be for the benefit of others. And furthermore, we are to clothe ourselves with patience, waiting for the Lord and for the guidance of His Spirit, clothed with Christ and mirroring His love. We are to bear with one another, being willing to stick with others in the church, in the family, in marriage, without bailing out the moment we are frustrated, annoyed, irritated, or find people unbearable. The things that Paul speaks about, they're woven together as part of the same fabric and and garment. And if you remove one thread, you've messed with them all. If you cannot be patient or forgiving, compassion and kindness will begin to unravel as loose threads. And what keeps all these things together is love. Love is selfless and puts the interests of others first. Love binds the garment together. When your heart extends with love for Christ and then for others, everything will be bound together in perfect harmony and unity. And when we are able to bear with one another, will we not have an attitude and spirit of forgiveness? And Paul informs us of the level of forgiveness with which we must clothe ourselves. He says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's a high standard, but so necessary. If I refuse to forgive my brother and sister in Christ and do not have an attitude of forgiveness... Guess what has happened? I exaggerated their offense against me. And I have minimized my offense against God. What was the Lord's forgiveness like? First, he desired to forgive. He didn't forgive us because he was forced into it. But he desires that the relationship he restored, that, be, that relationship be restored. And when that kind of love fills our hearts, will we not forgive in the way Christ forgave us? And secondly, Jesus forgives permanently. Jesus does not remind us of the sins we have been forgiven of which we have been forgiven the moment we we do something wrong again. As if it's, ah, so there you are again. That attitude of forgiveness needs to be part of the fabric of your life if you are to reflect Christ. And why the emphasis on forgiving? Why the emphasis on patience and bearing with one another? If we are going to have peace in our homes and unity in the church, and if we are going to enjoy each other rather than merely tolerate and put up with each other, we will need to keep forgiveness and patience in the foreground. Yes, there's going to be conflict as long as we live in the sinful world. 
And yes, it is going to take time to get back where we should be when there has been tremendous hurt in our lives. But when we are able to be patient and forgive, affections will grow and they will flourish where, humanly speaking, we didn't think this would be possible. And all these are bound together perfectly. That is the way they are supposed to be through love. Love is the blessed tie that binds the virtues of humility, forgiveness, compassion, etc. together. Love acts like a belt that holds other garments in place. How will we ever be able to continue in love? It's one thing to love a person you really like, that shares your opinions and your interests. But now, think of your least favorite person. The thought might be rather unpleasant. To love that person will call for an extreme makeover. But that is how you are to display that you are in union with Christ. You need to put on display your love for the Lord Jesus and for each other by getting rid of all that distracts you from looking to him. Let your home be a symphony of love where the dissonance of contention has no place. It's not uncommon for a woman to ask her husband, so how do I look? And it is not uncommon that he will respond by telling her, you look great, without looking up from what he is doing. The woman, in turn, unsatisfied with his response, will press the point and will say, no, seriously, I need to know. Well, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to ask repeatedly, how do I look? We need to ask that of each other as we reflect on what the Lord calls us to wear. Life is about helping each other serve the Lord. It's about helping each other get dressed. As people grow older, they will often need help with getting dressed physically. Well, as people of God, we need to be committed to helping each other get dressed spiritually. Wear the virtues of forgiveness, compassion, humility, and let the blessed tie of love give you the perfect and complete look and when you mirror Christ and reflect him as your new identity, you will always be most attractive. Amen.